listening to a new episode of Cloak and Jabber. We're in the middle of 56 hours of continuous jazz. It is Jazz Fest here on the podcast, so strap in, grab your saxophone, and get ready for some doom. I'm Alex. We got fired from our job as drive time DJs, and we have been rehired by one of the lowest paying radio stations in town, the Jazz Station. So here we are, just jazz, 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 jazzing it up. I'm the Sizz. And you are listening, as mentioned, to Cloak and Jabber. Why don't these songs have words? <laughs> Come on, Ed's words. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be recapping Cloak and Dagger's ninth episode, Blue Note. Different than brown note. Don't get confused. <laughs> I had 50 jokes about that. Oh, man. Did I just blow up your spot? I'm so sorry. The brown knows where you shit. Know. <laughs> I do know that. That's I'll tell you what. Uh, the I thought of that when the title came up at the beginning of the episode. At the end of the episode, when he plays the... Blaze the trumpet. I was like, oh, I kind of wish it was a brown note over New Orleans. Yeah, oh, man. There, uh, there's always sort of a little bit of a brown note hanging over New Orleans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it would have been fun to have that be the basis of a season of television. Oh, boy. I will say the episode really played into that as well, where it was like, I just got to figure out how to play the blue note. <laughs> yeah. Make all my dreams come true. <laughs> There we Mark. go. That's great. This podcast is going to be great. Uh, Pete is off this week, so we can get away with this stuff. We're yeah. going to recap the show, and then we're going to give you some notes for the last episode. So let's do it. Uh, we're getting to the end of here, so lots to recap. Uh, but two characters, Ty and Tandy. Ty has the power to teleport. He can also access another dimension. I should note something. We've been calling it the Dark Forest dimension. Mm -hmm. At the day job, I had Olivia Holt and Aubrey Joseph, who play the characters, came to the uh, and I interviewed them. I asked them about the Dark Forest dimension, and Aubrey Joseph was like, we're not allowed to call it the Dark Forest dimension. It's called the Lower Dimension. Ooh, interesting. So there There's a little note for you. The Upside Down. Yes. Well, not, why aren't they allowed to call it the Dark Forest? Well, he, maybe they're saving the Dark Force dimension for something else, but oh, the way that they call it in the show, it wasn't like a Joker on Gotham situation, it seemed yeah, like. It yeah. seemed more just like, nope, this is a different thing. We're calling this the lower dimension. That's cool. Yeah, so it does sort of remind me then more of Stranger Things, where it's yes. a shared access under dimension that the entire city of New Orleans, at least, can access. Yeah, exactly. So he's able to access uh, this other dimension, the lower dimension, where there's a bunch of things, including a record shop, which we'll loop back to in a second. Tandy has a couple of powers herself. She can create light daggers, and she can access people's hopes. They both got these powers during a big explosion on a Roxxon chemical plant. Uh, that uh, gave them these powers. Uh, it also gave a couple of other people powers at the same time, or rather that energy has given people powers. One of those people is Detective Bridget O'Reilly, who died at the end of the last season and was split into two. A meeker version of herself called Bridget O'Reilly, and mm. the other uh, half of herself who has sharp nails and super strength and is a little wild called Mayhem. She was too meek to have a cool nickname. Yeah, there you go. She could be like Mayhem and... I'm shy. <laughs> shy guy. Yeah. Uh, they, through a series of circumstances, got merged or decided to merge at the end of the last episode. Mayhem was actually trapped in the lower dimension. Uh, when they got out, they were together. We pick up with them on that in this episode. Another character that can access that lower dimension is a guy named Andre Duchesne, a.k.a. Despair. He started to get headaches. We find out more about that this episode. And he you found out that he had the power to suck out people's hopes. And that was the thing that got rid of his headaches. 
he created a record store essentially in this lower dimension that is built out of people's hopes. He's been kidnapping women, stealing all of their hopes by taking them in ambulances, taking them to a hotel and essentially pipping them out. Yeah. Uh, and including Tandy, who did that to a couple of episodes ago, she managed to escape, which was great for her. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was good. Uh, it's good but, for everybody. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, they discovered at the end that Andre had attacked, I don't know if it's attacked is exactly the word, but stolen the hope from her mother. Yeah. Uh, that's what they found out at the end of the last episode. Uh, these women end up catatonic, including a woman who was helping out Andre, who he stole all of the hope from in order to uh, give him enough power to reach his endgame. His endgame, by the way, uh, well, he doesn't actually exactly know what it is. He found a vivet, which is a symbol, a voodoo symbol. A a magical uh, power symbol. Yeah, inside the lower dimension. Uh, He's been told it will open a door and it will allow him to become a god. He doesn't know exactly what that means. A lower. Uh, From and the Loa dimension. He figured out that the way to activate that was through music, uh, which, again, we find out a little bit more about this episode. Uh, one last bit that you should probably know about going in in this episode. Uh, there's a dude named Detective Connors who murdered Ty's brother. He was trapped in the lower dimension, repented, uh, decided to be on the side of good and confess everything. But as far as we know, in the last episode... Ty's mom murdered Detective Connors. Yeah, she'd had him captured in their home, was making him a pretty tasty dinner, it looked like. Yeah, some uh, soft-shell crabs. Yeah, really good. And then the dessert was murder. <laughs> right. But we didn't specifically see him get murdered, right? I mean, I think in the in the... When she's talking to the priest in last episode, it was pretty hard-pointed at that she did yeah. kill him, so... I, th- I, I I still feel like there's going to be a twist there because we haven't seen the body, but I, I don't know. We'll get it. Maybe, that. yeah, we can get it. Yeah, we'll get it. All right. Now that we've set that up, let's go over to Brett Macris, our New Orleans correspondent. He lives and works in New Orleans and sends us notes about the previous episode. So here are some notes for episode eight. Um, about the real city of New Orleans. Brett says, I'd like to open up with saying that Justin is correct. I don't have a drinking problem, but I do have a hangover problem. Nice. Diagnosed. There you go. Dr. Justin, they come harder and more frequent because I'm old now, so generally less drinking. Now, on to the show. I'll tear up some pinball. Don't get me started. The show opens with a dude I don't know yet, but he's dressed like a voodoo priest. Uh, that is uh, Baron Samdi. Yes. Um, so we'll find talk more about him a little bit. He actually doesn't show up this episode. No, so no. Not quite important. Um, he's dressed like a voodoo priest, makeup and all, a very dapper voodoo priest, but a legit voodoo priest. They use surnames like Papa, but their official title is Hugo. I definitely pronounced that wrong. Um, he mentions a Moji girl. We didn't actually mention her because she doesn't come up this episode. Yes. That's Avita, who is Ty's girl, sometimes girlfriend, on again, off again, girlfriend. Uh, her yeah. mom it was a voodoo priestess, and she died after. I think it was tang- her aunt. Aunt, thank yeah. you. Uh, died after tangling with Andre Duchesne. Uh, and then she it, sort of married Ty in a way? Yeah, kind uh, of. She married, she sort of killed her um, life in her uh, plans to become like a doctor, instead became a mambo. 
So Emoji Girl's mom's voodoo shop is filmed in a voodoo shop on St. Peter Street called the Reverend Zombie's House of Voodoo. It's mostly for tourists, but you can pick up some cool shirts and a couple of voodoo dolls, get your palm red, buy incense if you're into that kind of thing. I am. Okay. I am. Uh, put Let's it on your it. itinerary. Definitely. I'm going to do a whole cloak and dagger tour when I'm down there. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, thanks. I'll do that on a preacher tour. Get all of our podcasts out of the way at the same time. The Irish Channel Sober Living House, where the former priest is staying, made up. But the Irish Channel is a very quaint neighborhood, quiet and filled with history. Nola Brewing is located there, the Brooklyn Brewery of New Orleans. Chickens run amok through the neighborhood. Uh, we should mention Brett is very anti-chicken. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he keeps... Guy posting in our Patreon Slack and putting anti-chicken propaganda, and it's very upsetting. When will it end? I don't know. Uh, Old Mansion's neighbor old shot gun houses. I don't know what that means. Old Mansion's... Oh, Old Mansion's neighbor old shotgun houses. The streets are completely fucked up with potholes and tree roots splitting up through the blacktop. People hang out in rocking chairs on their porches. It's pretty cool. Um, maybe despair just needs an Advil. Sure, you could fuck with people and pull their hopes, but maybe try ibuprofen first. Not necessarily a New Orleans note, but a good note nonetheless. Good note. Yeah. We got a lot of doctors on the pod. Emoji Girl's auntie tells her it's her time to be Mambo. Mambo is a voodoo priestess, the opposite of a hoogan. Uh, Mambo translates to Mother of Magic, and I don't know if that odd wedding is how you actually become a voodoo priestess, but it seems totally legit. I would also like to challenge Pete to a couple of rounds of Marvel versus Capcom, because that is also my jam. Loser buys a round. And Justin, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA is for 30 lives, but add select start to the end for two player. You don't have to tell me that. I know that. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like maybe you didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, but that's not a note I need to be given. Let I mean, just say that. I'm, I'm just saying it sounds like not something I need. Sounds like I you know. got it wrong, maybe. I didn't get it wrong. I'm a big two player uh, contra player. It sounds like you're not. Uh, didn't make a mistake. I don't know. It sounds like you're definitely like maybe in the top 10 somewhere, but not number one. Would you? <laughs> That'd be a weird, surprising ranking. Uh, <laughs> if you were one of the top 10 contra players of all time. Yeah. <laughs> what a great. That'd be a fun reveal. Like you read a little secret of yourself. Yeah. Do you have a secret? talent or something that you would reveal you me yeah. uh i won the dance dance revolution world championships oh well last year <laughs> See, that's another that's a great secret talent something that would never be covered by the press or talked about amongst a group of friends yeah i mean <laughs> why would it come up why would it come up but i your uh, calves are legit strong they're gross yeah. all right let's get into the episode itself uh because a bunch of stuff going on here you want to walk us through it uh sure let's talk um we uh start 96 months ago, which is an odd amount of time. Right. That's like how people who are measuring their baby's progress, and they're like, she's 96 months old. <laughs> and you're like, ah, just tell me what Yeah, that just is. say a year. It's fine. Yeah. Um, um, I like that, though. I like that detail. It was very weird and off-putting. Um, why do you think they specifically chose that? Uh, I, I think, I don't know. It seems like an, a longer amount of time than we would need right. uh, back. Um, so that's eight years back. Uh, Thanks for doing that quicker than my calculator. Right, that's what I call. <laughs> I got up to 92 divided by. Yeah. Uh, great. Um, I hope I'm right with those numbers. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, so it's eight years <laughs> back and uh, where I guess we're seeing him first get his headaches then. Right. Um, when he's called Vinyl Man briefly, which I thought was like a weird 
sort of well because he's recording Jason. he's yeah. recording the gigs on vinyl and it was like yo dude use these mp3s that were just invented yeah that's fun stuff about time check it out on napster that uh, was way longer ago than eight years ago oh don't even talk about napster god i'm still on there yeah what a nightmare <laughs> Uploading just a, and just a bunch of viruses now. Yeah, exactly. It's me, a million viruses, and a bunch of Dave Matthews Band live tracks. Stay off Napster. Uh, anyway, um, I, I do think that as a sort of uh, the theme of this episode where we're coming back and we're humanizing this villain who has been like horrible, like yeah. truly like devastatingly bad. And this episode sort of lets us feel how devastating these headaches are for him and sort of see him go from being like a regular musician just trying to make it into becoming the monster they became. And like, it's weird going into a final episode to really say like, look, he has some good qualities. Well, I, they have that discussion later on yeah. in the episode. And I do think that's the point where they're saying, sure, he's a human being. They talk about mayhem. They talk about all of them that just because you do bad things for good reason doesn't make them good. Right. Uh, and he is conclusively evil, is why I Definitely. think when we find out by the end of the episode, regardless of how you feel with him, that's the journey they take you on. One other note that I thought... Uh, note, blue I mean, note. Yeah, yeah. blue yeah. note. No, uh, this is the thing, is a blue note is a note you expect to go major in jazz, but it actually goes minor. Yeah. And that is such a strong theme throughout the episode yeah. that you think, even from the structure, like up until about five minutes before the end, you're like, they're going to win. They did it. And then yeah. it turns bad. Yeah. And it's the same thing with everything else where you think that they're going on a path of good, but things actually turn bad. And yeah. that's what happens with Andre. That's uh, pretty much what happens with Mayhem as well this episode. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that they probably in the writer's room, I'd imagine, came up with the idea of like, Blue Note, how do we play that out? Yeah. And then drilled in on it in every single bit of the episode. And that's why I think this show is so smart. They, everything feels very deliberate and it's something that feels like just his like sort of, because it works sort of on multiple levels of metaphor. Like he's trying to become, to play this perfect note when he's just a jazz musician, just to like sync up with a crowd and like really be the master of his craft. And then it becomes his motivation throughout where he wants to become a god. And he says finding this perfect note will make him a god. And that's sort of what maybe happens. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, it's the blue note of them making the major choice, like you said, and then ending up with a sort of with the minor choice. And that's just the, the level of layering that they don't ever point at. It's just if you're paying attention, you get yeah. it. So smart. It's very good. Um, we can follow the flashbacks a little bit and yeah. then go back to the present. So throughout the episode, we find out Andre's story uh, that he wasn't able to hit this blue note, screwed up his career, goes to commit suicide by jumping off the docks. And at that moment, the rocks on platform explodes. He falls into the water. <laughs> And gets knocked out, wakes up in a hospital, and he's still alive. But he has these horrible headaches still. Um, but he finds out when this nurse, uh, doctor, actually, I guess, right? Is yep. where we find out she is. Uh, doctor walks up to him and he holds her hand. Uh, he immediately is transported to the empty record store. Yeah. Puts on some music and finds that the headaches go away. And that's when he discovers what his power is. And the music he puts on is from her, the first right. touch that he has after he has his powers. Yeah. Now, uh, I'll tell you this, my one qualm with this episode, I'm a little over the trope of doctors and nurses being like, I have immediately fallen in love with this patient in this hospital. Yeah. 
I'm all in. Like what a, a hotbed of romance hospitals right? must be. Great in a room. Someone's in, got a bedpan. You're like, I love you. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's nothing sexier or more attractive than people who are in a hospital bed. So yeah. I, I get it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but she does. Uh, she decides she wants to get back to her music. He essentially tricks her yeah. into doing that. Uh, and that's how they set up this... Uh, I don't even know what you call it, sting operation. It's not a sting operation. No. The opposite of a sting operation, yeah. <laughs> uh, where he fills his record store with all the hopes from all these women who have been abused by their boyfriends or their husbands, have been bad in relationships, uh, and he preys on them. Yeah, this was just like that sequence, which was 85 months ago, which makes total sense, just what I would have guessed. Um, he <laughs> takes this job where he can just suck, slowly suck the hope out of people who are going to him to get their hope back, to try to fix these uh, yeah. situations they've had in their lives. It was just perfectly done to make him, where we, once again, we sort of, he's humanizes it for the first half of the episode, and then we're like, oh my God, fuck this guy. <laughs> yes. He's a monster. He's lying to these people's faces as he sucks out their hope. Like, just really well done. Absolutely. Um, le- so let's jump back to Ty and Tandy and what's going on with them. Yeah, so they um, are... Uh, they're trying to track Andre down. They're, and they're both like, wow, we have got to do this. And uh, Mayhem is sort of working with them. Uh, she had told Tandy to stay out of it, but she's then like, okay, I'll do this. Um, let's figure it out. I, I like this. I mean, before Mayhem ultimately loses it towards the end, I think Emma Lahara, who's the actress who plays Bridget O'Reilly in Mayhem, did a really good job of splitting the difference in her performance. Like, you could yeah. see her wrestling with every decision as if there was a conversation going on in her head between Bridget and Mayhem saying, no, let's do this. No, we need to approach this this way. No, try this my way this time. Yeah. Uh, without saying it out loud at all, but she... Uh, does agree to help them, but it seems very begrudging the entire time. Yes, for sure. Uh, she has a little curl in her hair too, which is like a little, little like yeah. Ooh, I'm. I have. I'm I'll Superman. Take it all the way. Maybe. Yeah. Well, not that kind of curl. Oh, okay. uh, and you can see Tandy sort of like being pushed along. She's she's in crisis mode, trying to catch Andre. So she's pushing on Mayhem to be like. I'm willing to do anything. Let's do this, uh, which is another tension in the episode. They find um, Leah, uh, Andre's assistant, who he had thrown out of the car after he sucked all the hopes out of her. Um, and rather than let her go in the ambulance, they take her back to the church. How did, how did you feel about that? I mean, I think this was the one that I felt very split about because this certainly falls under... Tandy doing whatever she needs to to get to Andre, but using the idea of, oh, she is going to be traumatized because there's these ambulances who've been kidnapping women, but using that for her own ends is not great. Not great, uh, but also they're like out of options. I mean, they sort of split here. Ty goes off and he tries to get some of the local New Orleans gangs to help them track down where Andre is, while Tandy, meanwhile, is doing this, and... Yeah, they're both. This this show is always like struggling with the idea of what justice is, and that's why we have sort of at the same time Ty on the phone with his mom, um, and she, he's like, "How's Connors?" And she's like, "Good, he's good, <laughs> fine, everything's yeah, fine here, not dead, not dead at all." Which that makes me think she did kill him, right? And, and Ty, you can tell, is suspicious of his mother, right? There, uh, and so it's like, was that justice if she did actually kill him? 
Uh, I think that's the worst possible thing, right? Because yeah. he could have cleared Tide's name. So if she did kill him, that took away Ty's chances of freedom. Yeah. Uh, she essentially sacrificed one son for revenge for another one's death, if that's what she did. And that, to me, is a really interesting thing that they'll have to resolve next episode. Uh, and I'm sure they'll resolve it. It'll be, like, be like, you know everything's what? fine. We had quite a crazy season, but let's move on to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> that's how television works. Yeah. Let's all get some soft-shell crabs. Yeah. Let's just have milkshakes and have a little flash forward <laughs> in the middle. Uh, so uh, they decide to, um, well, Tandy goes into Leah, uh, Andre's assistant's head, and is like, whoa, it is pretty hopeless in here. Um, and Mayhem uh, has to be like, we need Ty. If Ty can go in, we can figure this out. Um, because what they realize, and they played on this a lot more last season, we've been playing more in this lower dimension, but Ty is able to access fears, Tandy is able to access hopes, but together they're able to access something that is more obviously cohesive, but also they found last season a bunch of doors in people's heads, and they were only able to enter those doors together. So what they realize is they will only be able to get through with both of them. Yeah, and I love that, putting them together. Also, this season is all about, I mean, sort of like last season too, like them accessing this hope and fear power, which is interesting because you feel like this show is going to be about like light daggers and teleporting and stuff, but it's really about this other side of their powers that weren't really in the comics yeah. where they can access people's hopes and fears. And I, I really like that. I feel like that plays more on television because it's much more dramatic to be about getting inside people's heads and in this under dimension where all of these metaphors can spring out. Yeah. The other thing that's been interesting about splitting them apart that's really underscored in this episode is their different approaches to figuring out how to be a hero. That you expect in a show like this that it would be they slowly train and then they figure out their powers and they're like, what are we like as a team? But they're very different in terms of how they want to approach things, how they want to approach being heroes, how they want to attack that. Ty is much more into... Uh, peaceably using his powers yeah. while Tandy is really being pushed in the more vigilante uh, direction. Yeah, she's getting like uh, magic Hadouken uh, type uh, yep. Dragon Ball Z uh, powers um, while Ty is... De- and he, they're both getting sort of better at the same time. Yeah. Like for instance, Ty teleports and doesn't even drop a cell phone call. Right. That must have t- taken them so much work. Yeah. One of my favorite shots in the episode is when Ty leaves towards the beginning and Tandy's like, wait, where are you going? He's like, I'll see you later. And he's like, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. And she's just standing there being like, never oh. date a teleporter. Am I right? No, it's the worst. Um, so they, uh, while they're in Leah's mind, they, Andre just like shows up or in the underworld, uh, in the lower it, dimension, in the lower yeah. dimension. Yeah. Way. Because he's able to jump in and out of there. Now he's powerful enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, and they get into the memory, they see him in the memory and then he turns and looks at them and he's like, you can't hurt me here. Yeah, great moment. Yeah, absolutely so great. Cool. And they immediately get out of there because they realize 
this isn't their place either. The real world isn't their place, and the lower dimension isn't their place either. There's no place that's safe from him at this point. Yeah. Um, and that's when he lays out his plan to strike strike the blue note for everyone and basically take all of the hopes out of everyone in New Orleans and turn everyone into like a little zombie. Right. Uh, the other thing that we should mention that we forgot in the recap, or not in the recap, uh, mentioning earlier on, is the woman that he sucked all the hope out of is humming a tune. Uh, yeah. And that's the tune that he needs to play to unlock this door in order to become a god. Yeah. Pretty convenient. Yeah. Really worked out real well for him. For the bad guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, Tandy and Mayhem talk about murdering the girl, and that's where we see Tandy step back from going over the line, which I thought was great. Yep. Um, it was, she was really set up to go through with it, but then uh, she laid, She said something that uh, Mayhem's like, she's... She was going to do all these horrible things for you. She was going to, like, lock you up, uh, turn you, uh, like, let men rape you at, at any moment. And she's like, she's also a victim. She was victimized by the same person that we're trying to get. I thought that was a great, great conversation. Everyone gets their own point of view that is not right and not wrong. Yeah. Uh, and that's so rare, I think, on shows. Yeah. Um, she beats Mayhem. Uh, There's also a great moment, we should mention, during their fight where... Uh, Mayhem has her claws to Tandy's throat. Tandy has a light dagger to her throat, and then they step back from it. They realize we can't do this to each other, and they pull back, yeah. uh, which I liked a lot. Like I liked that moment of them ha- being at this detente, but neither one of them wanting to go through with it. Like Either yeah. one of them could, but it's not about, like I don't want to hurt myself. It's about, I don't know if I can actually hurt you. Right, yeah. Uh, which is a great choice when you have no idea what's going on, <laughs> yes. which is everyone in the show at all times. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's playing the music from the Vevey. He's reaching all the people at once. Wait, we should step back and talk about Ty's plot line because right. he has a whole thing that he goes through and we get, a, we get an Easter egg, big yeah. Easter egg in his plot line. So his thing, meanwhile, is he's going up after a bunch of drug dealers that supply the drugs to the ambulance drivers who were stealing and kidnapping the women. Uh, He does this by reconnecting with a childhood chum of his in a diner. Uh, And uh, that dude is reading a newspaper about Luke Cage. Ah, what a connect. R.I.P. Luke Cage. Well, he's doing fine. He's just in the news. Yeah, I guess. Uh, The funny part about it, continuity-wise, and I wonder where this happened, but when we last left Luke Cage, he was a villain running a club in Harlem uh, and they're talking about him as if he's a hero, which is fine. I, I'm not going <laughs> to... It's a slightly different Luke Cage. Sure. Yeah. It also is very interesting, uh, not too surprising, but it, because they are very complimentary, but it's interesting that the majority of the references with the Marvel Universe that have happened on Cloak & Dagger are to Luke Cage, because Bridget was an old partner of Misty Knight's, uh, and now we get specifically them talking about yeah. Luke Cage, about him being bulletproof in the show. And again, like theme-wise, I think the two shows are very complementary. It would be interesting if there was more back and forth there. It would be interesting if some of the Marvel Netflix characters did show up on Cloak & Dagger if it continues, because I think they would work there. They would make sense. Yeah, I agree. I don't... That's not going to happen, though, right? Probably not. Ah, see? Where's the home for all those folks? Uh, I don't know. They're just kind of wandering around the streets of New York. Yeah. Just lost in the Netflix queue. Picking up a bacon, egg, and cheese at the Logo Bodega. Nice. Good. 
Um, so yeah, we uh, then we see Ty, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier, uh, but we see Ty on a rooftop uh, taking care of two drug dealers. He keeps teleporting them and then dropping them off and teleporting them and dropping them off and gives a big speech and says, listen, I can't completely stop you. I'm just one guy, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Like you can, you need to, I can't stop you from selling drugs, but you need to stop selling drugs that are allowing women to be taken. Yeah. And I really like that move a lot. Like not giving the hero speech of like, you stop what you're doing. I did it. I stopped the drug trade (laughs) because that's ridiculous. And the show does truck very much in realism despite the superpowers. So having him make a move that is, a small move dealing with the immediate problem was smart. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So to get back to the Vivet. Yes. Andre has um, created the Vivet on the ground. Uh, it's uh, as he plays the notes, it is slowly unlocking it bit by Lighting bit. Yeah. Uh, Ty and Tandy immediately, they try to track him down uh, from the drug dealers. Ty finds out that, uh, they think he's at his old club. They get there. It turns out club the club delight. burned down. So they head to the original location of the club, track it down, and they see everybody that, uh, I think this is the implication pretty clearly, but they see everybody that Andre has stolen the hope from standing yeah. there, staring at him as he plays, uh, and including Tandy's mom and yeah. everybody else. Upsetting. Very upsetting stuff. He's about to unlock the Vivet, uh, and Tandy... Uh, Ty says, quick, throw a dagger at me. Tandy throws a dagger at him. He cloaks over to Andre, and the dagger comes through him and hits Andre and knocks him down. Yeah. Except not really because he already did it. Yeah. It was interesting. What does all that mean? Because it was sort of a cliffhanger where it was like, wait, what? They did like this sort of dagger through the cloak trick, which we've never seen before. Right. And it feels like it might have some sort of implication for how their powers work. Um, oh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I, I don't know. The way it, it breaks down where, yeah, it could it could definitely be that Andre just won and sort of zapped them. So he, he, uh, he opens the door in the record store and walks into the light. Is he a god now? We don't really know. Right. Uh, and uh, the music sort of takes over the city. Meanwhile, Tandy and Ty are in just an empty room. Yeah, so there's a lot to unravel there, and it's yeah. not immediately clear what happened. So my my implication that I took from it is that, first of all, the the dagger through the cloak thing, to me, I just took that as like classic comic books. They're always yeah. doing that in the comic books. There's this whole thing in the comics where cloak has a hunger because, as they mentioned in the last episode, they, they riffed on the whole got their uh, powers from radioactive heroin yeah, thing. Uh, Cloak has this hunger that needs to be fed, and Dagger feeds his hunger with her light daggers. Yeah. So I took that as a riff on that. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I, I think that's kind of all that was. Um, but in terms of Andre unlocking the Vivet, we saw in a previous episode that Tandy's dagger was the key. Like, it was a not a donation, but the tribute that was given to the Loa? Is it a Loa? Yeah. The, Loa. Uh, Papa Heg- Hegba, I think. Yeah, Papa Hegba. Uh, inside of the lower dimension. So maybe that's what he needed. Maybe that was the last thing that he needed to unlock the Vivet was that dagger. Yeah, maybe. that could be. I don't oh, know. That's interesting. Yeah, either way, it felt like what hitting him with a dagger was bad. It was yes. a bad choice. Right. Um, well, and it because it also, it disappeared. Like, it yeah. knocked him down, but it didn't cut him in any way. Yeah, it went into him. Yes. 
Um, and maybe the fact that it went through uh, Cloak's powers at the same mm. time, sort of mixing hope and fear and going into him was what he needed to unlock it. Yeah, we'll uh, probably find out, I'd imagine, more next Someone's going to say, Moji Girl's going to be like, wait, you didn't do the dagger through the cloak <laughs> trick into we'll the bad like, guy, did you? And they're going to be like, we did the only one we got. That's our, uh, that's our up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, BA select start move. Mm, now you got it. That's what I said. <laughs> Man, that's why you're the number one Contra player. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff. I really liked how they amped it up considerably. Uh, one of the things that I liked about the season so far was last season was, was like zombie apocalypse. And this season felt so much smaller up until this episode where it was like, oh, oops, nope. yep. <laughs> all of New Orleans. Despair <laughs> apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. But I like that. I Me like too. how they amped it up and made it another city threatening thing for them to stop. Um, I have no idea how this all is going to end, but I'm very excited to check it out. That's what I love about this show. There we go. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. We'll chat with you about Cloak and Dagger. What else do you want to plug? Uh, follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live oh. and at Cloak Jabber. Yeah. Uh, also, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next month at Jazz Fest. Free tickets. Call it now. <laughs> Why are jazz stations at the very end of the radio dial? <laughs> I don't know. Eh, jazz is evil. <laughs>